In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Almira, how are you? So good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is, as everybody knows, it's one of the top podcasts out there. So I'm honored to be on here. I'm just having a chat with one of my favorite people. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. It's truly an honor. I mean, I've heard your story and I cannot wait to get into it. You're just amazing on all counts. Thank you. Thank you so much. So of course, I always start with the most loaded question, which is what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. I don't think it's necessarily being inspired by one particular thing. I think it's been more of a drive to see or a curiosity to see how far I could go. So, and then seeing what other people are then doing or the worlds that I get into or the opportunities that I get, that's what continue to inspire me. So it first started with me and I wonder, I'm curious about this. I wonder if I could do this. Can I do this? And then like everything that it just, how it happens, it just manifests. And you're suddenly all of a sudden inspired by all the greatness around you, much like how you've come into my world. You know, we connected through April and just you and I have this like amazing energy and vibe. So it's continued to add these incredible people or people who are already in my life. And that's what motivates me and inspires me to just stay more curious and to find more opportunities and cool things to do. That's incredible. And you've built some amazing brands. I mean, you've been in brand building and PR, you are like the guru, my friend, which I absolutely adore. But I'm going to reel it back quite a bit for you. What did you want to be when you grew up? Uh-huh. This was the funny one, a secretary. So I remember my, I must've been in grade four. You had to write, what do you want to be when you grow up? So I said secretary and my teacher, and it was like, describe why. And it's like, I want to get the boss's coffee. I want to help him out. And my <laughs> teacher actually gave me the report back, slid it back to me and said with a note, I think you can do better. Try again. And I think what it came from there is I love like organizing, being in the background, making magic happen. And I think that's where it came from. And so when I think of what I do now and being the brand builder and, you know, pulling those puppet strings, if you will, but again, I'll never forget Mr. Davies, who was like, take another stab at this. This is not what you should be doing with your life. So yeah, super funny. That's hysterical. Isn't it funny how like what we want to be as kids is showcased when we're older, like in this weird way. Yeah. But talking about that, you recently interviewed Jeremy Newsom and his wife Svetlana. And what she talks about is actually the first thing that you want to do is what you end up doing in the world. And so there is one of the sessions that we did and literally everybody had to say, what is it you wanted to be when you were a kid? And what is that gift? Because it actually does translate through the rest of your life. So It's funny that you say it's funny, but it literally is universal and cosmic, if you will. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, it's amazing that you knew at such a young age, they say that your inner programming happens, like your conditioning and your imprinting happens in your first seven years of life. Yeah, yeah, I know. Which is like, so when you ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up, 
they can almost predict it, which it's, is crazy. yeah. I know it's crazy. It's crazy and scary. Yeah. It is crazy and scary because it's like, you knew you wanted to be in the background of a business. Yeah. Or running something. But that being said, I think back then it was also the mentality for women about you are the backbone behind a man. It makes you wonder is, is that what was I thinking for myself? Right. Cause now I'm at the forefront of everything, or I've, you know, I've been at the forefront for a number of years, but at the end of the day, it's been me there. So now that I think about it, I wonder if my teacher was like, no, no, you don't have to be behind the man to be successful or make the man successful. Like what are your gifts? Right. So it's interesting as in this in time, in this environment and culture that we're in now that you start looking back at all of that being like, huh, you know, what is real, you know, what is it that we're taught and what are we changing? And there's so much to talk about when it comes to all of that. It's, a, it's an interesting time. Yeah. It is a fascinating time because it's also we're entering into the era of the divine feminine mm-hmm. to yeah. astrology. Yes. So everyone's like, oh, why is 2020? The planets yes. are literally in the same alignment. They were a hundred years ago when the Spanish flu happened. Yes. It's not a coincidence. Yes, it is not. It is not. Yeah. And so apparently our world you live this life. And as we are now, when you are with your family, as, as you have it now, every 5,000 years. So you are playing everything out. Yeah. My sister was telling me about it and I, you know, I've been meaning to ask her more and I, I really should, but you literally have the same family, the same lineage, what you do and you recreate it. And if memory serves me correctly, you improve on it every single time, but you do relive the specific life that we are currently living right now, every 5,000 years. How crazy is that? That's- and you come back I know and your souls always evolve I mean you know I have a um I have a reader and she she talks about she she does all past lives that's what she does and said the average soul lives five to seven hundred lives before it comes into this earth so yes there that's why people come into earth with pre-existing issues that nobody wants to like address which is kind of crazy to think about right I know crazy But they're saying that, and again, the person who told me this, she's a spiritual healer and she couldn't remember exactly what year it was. It's either 2010 or 2012, but all children born as of that year are born without karma. So they're coming into it in a pure and clear life without all baggage, without all the stories. And it is supposed to be this generation of children who've been born now. So I guess that's been what, 10 years. It is like pure, clear, healed without all the baggage. And I think that's completely fascinating. Yeah. That is so fascinating because you, yeah. know, you think about us as kids, I mean, and, and just everything we've been through, you know, throughout our lifetimes. And it's like, there's just so much. Yeah. <laughs> right? I know there's so much that's fascinating. Oh my God. And so back to your childhood, who, who was somebody that inspired you throughout or who could be multiple people or things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was really my parents. You know, you and I have talked about having the immigrant parents. So I am a smiley Muslim. And the easiest way that I can say that is that smiley is very modern Muslim. And my grandparents on one side, great-grandparents on another side came from India. And it was said in the community. And so Ismaili is a religion, but it's also a culture. Is again the best way to describe it. And so the family went from in Northern India, Gujarat to East Africa, and they came as immigrants and prospered and did so well. What happens is, is, is that this is now, of course, where they're in East Africa, it's the British empire. And so all of them start to get their independence from the UK and Idi Amin comes into Uganda, right? Mm -hmm. So my father had left for Canada before Idi Amin came. And my mom is 
from Kenya. So Indians from Kenya on my mom's side, from Uganda on my dad's side, my dad had already left, but through just families knowing each other, they knew each other. They decided they want to get married. My mom comes to Canada, but of course, Idi Amin then comes soon after. And the rest of our family all left as refugees and our spiritual leader, the Aga Khan, he knew Pierre Trudeau, who was the prime minister of Canada at that time. So he literally arranged for all of these Ismailis to come and the majority of them. So, I mean, there was a few thousand at the time came over with nothing because they were given, if you were in the capital Kampala, you were given 30 days to get out. If you were in any other part of Uganda, 90 days to get out. They came with nothing. And the community is really inspiring because they just literally built up everything from scratch. And so the story of my parents, even though they came before the coup and all of the issues, but you're still immigrants. And so my father, he worked at the car wash that's still there in Vancouver. And he worked at M&J car wash for 25 cents an hour, and then ended up moving to UBC. It's the university. He went to university of British Columbia because then he got to be a janitor at 50 cents. You know, this is the stuff that they do. Right. And my mom, when she was in Kenya, she worked at the college as a teacher, then decided, forget it, I'm going to buy it. So then she bought the college, but then she was in travel and she worked for Alitalia and came here. And, you know, my parents spoke perfect English, like, you know, really smart, well-educated, but you're still starting from the ground up. And so she found a job in travel agency, started as the secretary, and then the next year gets promoted to controller. And so seeing as you do your parents, you know, literally start from nothing to build. And now they've done so well, you know, just as your parents have, right? They're, they're just doing. And it's even like, I look at my mom who, and this was before the word entrepreneur existed. You know, she owned a business because what she would happen is, is that her company that she worked with was Hagen's Travel. She took some time off. Off, had surprise twins, me and my sister, we were not expected to be twins. So there's two of me. And then, so she worked part-time and then she bought into Hagen's and bought her own location. And so she had that. And then she would serve on the board of directors. And as the president, she really moved up. And so again, you've got the inspirational female who built everything and you look at the two of them and how well they did it. Right. But one, they wanted better lives for themselves, better lives for their children. And it's super inspirational where they have gotten to. And, you know, my childhood was like crazy in the sense that it was the world of travel back then. Then, so mom would fly for free. Dad would be half price. And if we were under 11, we were on kids fairs traveling half price, right? Or no, we were on the children's fairs. Dad was half price. And so my summers were spent like driving through Spain and Portugal, you know, going to Africa, who gets a childhood like that. And it was really because of what they built together. And so partnership is also something that's super inspiring to me or like the role models that my parents were and what they instilled into us. But it's funny because then again, you and I were talking about it, that having immigrant parents, like until I I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was crazy enough. It was recently. I never knew about creating money. And so I was having a conversation with my dad. I was like, you know, why didn't you teach me about creating money? And he goes, that was like the last thing on my mind at the time, right? He's like, I'm an immigrant to this country. And not that it was about survival, but the choices that you make are to a certain degree to survive. But again, they did well, but it was about making the choices for stability. Right. And then also about like, you know, having a house or my children need to be educated. And so the sacrifices that your parents do make or the risks that they do or don't take, right. It's just amazing what that mentality and those choices become. And then, you know, I think about myself and then my son, you know, what are his choices going to be next? Right. So it's interesting how it just all plays in together and how that story builds. That's incredible. It's a lot of inspiration all in one, which yeah. I absolutely yeah. adore. And yeah. now your career path. Oh my God. How did that all tune in? Because you got into PR global, like all this amazing stuff. So walk me through like high school into college. Yeah. 
Yeah. So when we were in university, when we were in grade 12, um, there was a program called global education and you studied about a country, then you went there and did humanitarian work. And up until that time, I actually thought I'd probably want to be a teacher, but I was curious about advertising as well. And then we went and taught in the slums and I realized I'm like, you know what? First world education is so incredible. I don't know if first world kids value education. And so I'm like, I actually don't know if I want to teach here, but I would want to get a minor in English so I could teach in the third world. So that was my thinking. So I go to university, you know, just start with an arts degree, interested in business, but I could not do math and economics. I was so excited that I got a D, which I happily announced to everybody. And they were like, an A? Like, you're so excited. And I'm like, no, I got a D. And they're like, okay, well, I guess that's passing. But during the, my university time, I ended up in communications and then I did the co-op program, which is internships. And that allowed me to, and I really say that that was the catalyst for me and my story, because by the time I was in my third year of university, I had so much internship experience. I was actually working in the communications field. Like I was working for the government, you know, I didn't have to work retail jobs anymore. I was consulting like actually in university, which then led me to go into a PR agency where, you know, skyrocketed. I had like crazy, amazing opportunities. I was working for one of Canada's top PR agencies, worked on clients like Nike, Western American Express, like it was huge. And then I wanted to move to the UK. So I ended up moving to the UK. And when I think about my story, I, I say there's no such thing as no, but I realized I should actually change the language on that. It should be everything is a hell yeah, right? Yes. Because you should be having negativities in there. Everything is a hell yeah. And so before I'd moved to the UK, the tech market was exploding, even though they weren't supposed to, because you're on a holiday maker, like work in a bar or work in a store visa. The recruiters would put you into a job. They didn't care. They just wanted to get their commissions. By the time I got there, the tech market had bought and nobody would help me. So they were like, you're on your own. And so one day I'm sitting on the tube. I think I'd been in London for a couple months. I was temping. I was working in some restaurants, having a great time. And I saw this ad on the tube for Cobra beer. And I thought I have beer experience and this is a beer company. So I literally, and I don't even know. Yeah, we had, we had basic Google back then. I mean, this is 2002 and I Googled, I got the telephone number and I cold called the marketing director and I said, are you hiring? And he goes, Oh my God, I just realized the humor of this. He said, I'm hiring for a secretary. I never actually connected the two things right now. And what? so he said, I'm hiring for a secretary. And I said, I will be your secretary if you let me do PR. And he was on the secretary salary. And I said, absolutely. I will do this. I'm like, I got a holiday maker visa. So I'm allowed to do these things. You can hire me. And he he thought it was like the best deal ever. So lo and behold, I end up working in the marketing department of Cobra Beer, which at the time was the hottest niche beer brand in the UK and even in Europe. Like our biggest competitor was actually Tiger. And we were making Cobra, which was a beer that traditionally went with Indian food in the Indian restaurants, started by an entrepreneur himself who was actually part of YPO and mentored by Richard Branson. Like it was crazy because then Richard Branson and we did projects with the Branson group and got the brand on Virgin Airlines. And so all of the opportunities start to come in, right? And so we built this brand and I ended up within a year moving to head of global PR. And I must have been 25 or 26 at the time. And I was like traveling all over the world. I had teams in like multiple countries running press trips. And they just gave me so many opportunities. I had the most incredible experience. And then I just, you know, as you do travel book and partially it was, you know, being in Europe, we used to like go to Rome for coffee or Milan to shop for the day and then fly back, right? Back to London. It was crazy, but I really wanted to go to Australia. And so by then I had some really great experience, went to Australia. I ended up doing a contract in Cape Town too, and then came back to Vancouver and 
nobody would hire me because Canada at the time, very limited in its thinking. And they said, you haven't been here in a long time. You don't have any experience anymore. I was like, even though I've been head of global PR, built a brand and made it a really high profile brand and have worked abroad, they just wouldn't hire me. So I ended up consulting and found a client on Craigslist. And I even found it was on Craigslist mystery shopping at Rogers video. Rogers is telecom, but back then it wasn't the big telecom it is now. It was the video store like Blockbuster. And so I'm mystery shopped and just, you have to survive, right? Right. Anyways, that consulting ended up turning into like, it was just me. I built the consulting company and then I would be my future business partner for a PR agency. I would then own um, Jive PR and digital. And we would then open multiple offices, have big teams. And we had that for 10 years and worked with clients like Flight Center. Yeah, big clients. Again, I ended up working with Molson here in Canada. I love consumer brands. It really just is my jam. I just worked with clients on there. did a lot of stuff in the retail sector as well. Some professional services, film and entertainment. We did EF1. We had Disney as a client. And then I sold to her in 2018. Here I am now consulting again, working on brand building. That's the story because everything is a hell yes, right? That's what it is. Everything is a hell yes. I love your mindset. So was this always your mindset or did you sort of transition throughout the years? Yeah. You know what? I've always believed I can do it, but there has been some moments over the past few years as I get older, I think I was talking to my own coach and she was saying, there's a lot of women going through this where it's not a midlife crisis. It is a midlife improvement where you are reflecting back on your life and, you know, looking back, are there regrets? Are there things? And I kind of went into like a bit of a negative place because I think I was unpacking so much. And that's when I realized, am I a negative person? Because it felt like there was so much negativity around me until I was reading Robin Sharma. And he was saying that as humans and as society, we have a negativity bias. And I thought that was shocking as humans, we are actually built to look at the negative and the worst case scenario. And I think that was part of the impetus that I'm now on this spiritual higher consciousness path is examining everything and what it is that I believe. And again, I was saying to my coach, I was like, I'm not here to play small. And she's like, do not use those words. You are here to play big, right? And that's why I go back to saying that I think I have a negativity bias because everything has been so small, so negative and not in the sense that I'm just a negative person, but they're not the positive words. So I really just had to take a step back and reflect on everything, you know, and see how I, how I lead life, how I do life, who am I? And I think that's really the part that I'm at right now. And as Svetlana, the spiritual coach would say is, is that, you know, it's like about dharmic businesses right now, you know, bringing your gifts to the world. And I think that's the part that I'm at right now. So very very long answer to your question. I've always had this mindset, but it's been laced with negative in there because I, I never realized it. And, and again, it's not about being like, Oh, this is all terrible. And I'm complaining, but it's been more about why are my words not of the highest vibration or like, what am I creating? It's more intentionality. It's more consciousness. Amen. Amen. Living with that intent, I think is really where the game changes, right? Like in 2017, you know, I, I had my grandfather, he was really sick with cancer and we were by his hospital bed during his last days. And I just remember in those moments, I'm just sitting there and I'm like everyone around him, everyone's not talking about work. They're not talking about money. They're not talking, they're talking about the memories and the good things he did. And, you know, all the positivity, who he affected, the lives he impacted. And it was all about legacy at that point. Right. And the memories. Right. And at that moment, I just remember, I, I was like, am I basically designing my life just to focus around money? Or is this really about 
what, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, yes, I'm in real estate. Yes. I've done all these high powered things. Yes. I've done this, but like for what, like, what is the driving factor? And I realized that it was money. Yeah. Right. So when you were talking about Dharmic businesses and businesses that are created with intent to showcase your gifts, to help the world, yeah. I think those are the entrepreneurs that are absolutely thriving right now, which yeah. I think is where, where you are, where you're like, I'm going to bring my gifts to elevate the world and elevate these brands so that everybody wins. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which is super cool. Super, super cool. And, and also too, I mean, the world's craving authenticity. Yeah. They're craving it. So the thing you said about the souls born after 2010, they seem to be a lot smarter than, <laughs> and like all the kids that I've come across lately yeah. that are younger than 10 years old are yeah. like brilliant. I'm like, how does this kid know that? deep answers to questions that you're like, how does a seven-year-old know what that is? Yeah. Right? I know. And crazy. so it's just, you know, like authenticity that like a million different pieces coming together. It's so cool to see where the future of everything is really heading. Totally. I know. I was actually interviewed for a podcast by a 16 year old. who was one of the best interviews I've ever had in my entire life. She's like, it was crazy. And the questions she was asking me, I'm like, who's interviewing who here? Like, I almost felt like I was being a little schooled, right? Because I was not that emotionally smart or asking those questions at 16. And then the best part, this is what she tells me. Cause then we ended up talking about crypto because I'm really into it. So one of my, and actually no, it is my biggest client. They're a cryptocurrency exchange. So how neat is it that I've been pulled into this like amazing new world? And she was saying, you know, what is it about crypto? And for me, it's about equality for people and, you know, sound finance and you know, decentralized finance and where those decisions and where the money lies. And then we just ended up talking about what I was buying and trading. And she goes, yeah, I check my stocks and my crypto every morning. And I was like, what? I'm sorry, you're 16 years old. And she checks the stock market every morning. I was not doing that at 16, right? I was on the cheerleading team and nothing against cheerleaders because I think they're amazing, but my life was a little bit different, right? Like I was wondering about the dance on Friday night. I was not waking up in the morning and checking my stocks. So <laughs> you think you're going to change the world. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's super cool. I mean, because with your experiences, I mean, you've been all over the world, you've built these major brands, which is so amazing. And you're at this place now where, you know, you built your own company. So you've built global brands, then you've built your own company, super successful. And now you're out venturing into the world with something new. So in the first part of your career in building that, you know, building that career in the first place, what was that? What was that all like? Because you were young, right? And in this like badass position, you know, where you're like head of global PR, which is a huge deal. So what were some of the challenges and how'd you, how'd you work past that? And how did it transition you to the next level? You know, I just remember it being so fun. There was never any challenges and I'm not against hard work. I'm happy to work hard, but I think now, of course, as you get older, I'm in my forties, you're how am I working smarter? Right. But there was no challenges really. And maybe I was just so naive that I thought I just got along with everybody. Right. But, you know, looking back at it, I didn't have conflicts, you know, and, and also when you are meant to be doing something, 
the universe just opens up. And so I was working with incredible people, incredible minds. The really neat thing about Cobra is, is that we were all from different places. So India, Canada, South Africa, Australia. So you have all these foreigners who are working together and there were people from the UK, but we were like a really big family who was always hanging out together. And that was something so special in that time. And we all still stay in touch. And this was 20 years ago now, right? And I think you're put into these situations that are so magnificent that you get to work and blossom as you do and, and just learn. And that was like, they just gave me so much leeway to do my job and believed in me, which was great. And then, you know, I think the challenges were about perhaps like starting over. Right. And so having to go back to Vancouver to nothing and being like, what have I done with my life? Nobody will hire me. You know, like I rebuilt in Australia. That was easy. I ended up moving up the ladder. I went, you know, to Cape town again, moving up the ladder and I come back here to nothing and really missing Australia. Cause that is seriously my spiritual home. Um, but coming back here to nothing. And then I think it's really about the having to rebuild that you question things, but then it turns out great, right? You, you have to stop gripping what you think it will be. Right. I think the challenges more came. So as I started to build my own company, less so when I was working with other people, cause you're not dealing with the shit, right? Excuse my friend. Right. right. Yeah. But you are building. And when my former business partner and I, Lindsay, we built up dive, it was supposed to be her and I, and maybe a part-timer see how it goes. And that first month we got so busy that we had to hire on four contractors. And then we started to grow the business and we were virtual. So we didn't have to pay rent for those first years. And so now everybody that kind of felt sorry for us. They're like, can't you afford rent? And now I'm like, we were visionaries actually, because everybody works from home. Right. But we just it literally grew and built and we were focused and we had an amazing time and we learned so much. My gosh. I mean, as you do with any venture, you learn so much. And then I think the challenges were also about what are my next steps? Because in my mind, every entrepreneur knows how long they want to have a business. For me, I knew I wanted this one for just, it was 10 years. It was like, what is my next step? But it's very hard to let go of something that you built, right? Letting go of your baby. So there are releasing and letting go. And what is it that I want next with my life? Going back to your point about intention and design and legacy, you know, I think that was one thing is, is that I could be proud of the legacy that I'd left with this business and knew that it was ready to be handed on to the person who could make it even more successful because I knew that wouldn't, wasn't me. And it was, I was not the right person anymore to lead it. And I look at what Lindsay's done with the business and taking it over it, it's huge. And, you know, I look back, it's funny because Lindsay, she lives in LA and she was in Vancouver a couple weeks ago. So I was celebrating her success and saying, this was so amazing. And I wondered, I'm like, did I care that I wasn't part of this legacy? And I was like, no, I'm 100% aligned with the fact that she was meant to continue with it. And I'm so happy with where I'm at. Things always work out. Right. So for sure. And now question for you, because I know that there's entrepreneurs here. First, a uh, couple questions. First off, what led to your success of expanding so rapidly? Because you had thought it was going to stay so small and then it turned so big. So that's yeah. the first question. And the second question is, how did you learn to let go? Because there are entrepreneurs out there that know that it's time yeah. to separate yeah. from the business and they just can't, won't, whatever words they put in their mind. Yeah. How do you know it's time? You know what? Again, it's where you're supposed to be. It's like the divine energy that takes your business, right? And you know that you were meant to be in this place that this person refers you or this person refers you. But I also do believe that we did so well because there was two of us. And so Lindsay ran her company and I ran mine. Uh, we were both consulting and then decided to merge our businesses. And 
I literally turned to her one day and said, what would you love to do in your business? And what do you not want to do? And what is it that I want to do? And what do I not want to do? And she wanted to do biz debt and I wanted to run the business and deal with the clients. So it was like, we looked at each other and said, okay, we need to team up. And then it was magic. And we were just sort of getting all the clients. And that's when you would, you attract, not to say that you, you know, sit there and meditate and you attract everything, but it is part of the equation. But then, you know, we would get approach this client or XYZ client. And yes, they were coming to us, but we also made a phenomenal team. And I think this is also one of the secrets of what we had is, is that we have what I call third space. So I would have an idea. She would have an idea and then we would talk about it or I would have an idea, but not fully settle on my idea. Cause I knew that whatever input she had and brought to the table, we would create something extra amazing. And keeping in mind, this is when we worked from home. So we were on the phone literally 37 times a day. You know, there was no slack or any of that stuff back then. So you were picking up the phone and I would be saying, or she would be saying, I have this idea. What are your thoughts? And then the other one would be saying, okay, this is what I think. And then you get to this beautiful, magical thing. And so it starts to grow and it starts to evolve and you get these clients and obviously like you do the background of like your business development list and your targets and all of that work, but, and so much of why the business grew was the relationships that we had and the relationships that we had with our clients. You know, it's unheard of in our industry to have clients for 10 years, majority of our clients we'd had for 10 years. And so that retention level and how they felt about us as partners, you know, even though I've sold the business, I still keep in touch with a whole bunch of them and still have dinner with the old clients. Right. And then knowing about when to let go is, is that you have to listen to that pit in your stomach or that voice that says my time is coming or I don't want to do this anymore. Sometimes if it's the, I don't want to do this anymore, you need to take a break. You need a vacation. Maybe it's a sabbatical, whatever it is, because we all know about entrepreneurial burnout, right? Right. 2012, I think it was. So we started the business in 2009. I believe it was 2012, but my adrenals were just shot. And, you know, you end up because you think you're taking care of yourself, but, you know, whining and dining and having fun is not taking care of your insides. But still, like, there is levels of stress and you need to take care of your body and you don't realize what the hustle does to your body. And so that's what it should be. It's not about the stress, it's what the hustle does to your body. And so I ended up doing a whole bunch of um, naturopathic and homeopathic work around adrenal fatigue. Um, but I just knew and in my head, and this is when, you know, of course we talk about intuition and what is it inside your head that you're thinking? And for me, it was, it's 10 years, it's 10 years, but it's not like I was sitting back and slacking. We were still growing. We were still doing all of the things. I was still doing all the things. And in fact, when Lindsay moved down to LA, I had to take over biz dev. I'd never done biz dev before. So I was like so intimidated by the whole thing, but I got a coach just, just as you say, get a coach. Right. And so listening to that voice in the head. And then some situations started happening where it was like, this is time. This is not yours anymore. This is not where you're meant to be. And you know what, if you don't listen to it, the universe will pull something for you. And I've got some male friends right now going through some real health crises. And, you know, we, as women, we could see it happening, right? Like his wife could see that this was going to happen. It just wasn't listening. Just wasn't listening until you know, you're, you're going to get that wake up call. So at what point do you say, I'm going to let go with grace. I'm going to let go with honor and with legacy, or I'm going to grip this damn thing until they pull it out of my cold dead hands. What is your legacy then? And what are the relationships like around you? And I think that's the biggest thing is to decide when to walk away. And sometimes you walk away with nothing, but if you walk away with nothing, do you walk away with your freedom? I think that's worth more than anything. Amen. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, you have just such an amazing journey and I just, I adore it so, so much. It's truly a blessing. And now 
in your world of global communications, brand building, PR, and all of that, what would be some of your biggest tips and advice for any entrepreneur listening, or really just anybody listening who's paying attention to that world or looking to enhance that world in their business or in their job? Yeah. Take a step back away from it when you look at it, right? Because we all think, and rightfully so, think we have the world's best business. You don't necessarily. And so that is typically why you bring in a consultant like myself to be able to take that outside look. One, it gives you that bird's eye eyeball view to be strategic. You know, I'm not the world's biggest strategic planner. I cannot deal with sitting in like a two-day session, coming up with some big plan with like some Excel spreadsheet with KPIs and roadmap. I mean, that makes me want to pull my eyeballs out. But I do believe that you need to come with a strategic vision around everything. So you have to take that step back and get out of the weeds. Again, we as entrepreneurs get so pulled into those weeds. And what is that saying? You can't see the forest through the trees. You have to take that step back. And that's the first step you have to take. Take some breathing room and then sit down. Okay, build that plan. And that's the biggest thing that I come at it with is the experience of building a brand. But then what is our plan? Literally, it might be two hour session. We do your identity, your messaging. We figure out who you want to connect with. And then we hit the ground running. And I think you have to be able to take that step back and do some navel gazing and start to ask those questions and question your place in the world or ask those questions about what your true gifts are to the world as a business, as a company. Even if you were the hired CEO of a company, you could determine what the gifts of that business are. And that's the approach that you want to be taking. Right. And also not everything is newsworthy. That's my other piece of advice. You know, you get clients who are like, I think this is a great idea. And I'm like, that is horrible. You are not, I'm not taking that anywhere. Or people were like, we should totally be in the media about that. And I'm like, you should totally not be in the media about it. <laughs> that it, it's not newsworthy. And I think also why you should not be taking all of your stories that are not newsworthy to the media is, is that you will destroy your relationships with the media, right? You will get blacklisted so fast by sending them a pitch that's totally not worth it. Or that if there's been a story written about your competitor and you email that journalist and you're like, hey, write a story about me. And it would be exactly the same story. They're going to be like, delete. So you have to be careful, like anything, with the relationships that you build and what you're trying to say by all means do it just think about it right so right be intentional be intentional with your business your brand and everything yeah incredible and now another personal question for you and this is my favorite one what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now don't be in such a rush And this has actually been feedback that I've been given before for my clients. So like, we love you. We have no idea what you're up to half the time because you work so fast or you speak so fast. And they're like, we're just going to let you do it, but you have to slow down and take people on the journey with you. And that's a big one. And also I was not connecting with my team. Uh, Trying to remember what year this was. It was around about 2015. And the biggest thing that I did was to walk slower. That alone made people and my team connect with me and engage with me because you can't be telling somebody I'm available for you to talk to, you know, we're an open office. My, I have an open door policy and then be running around like a maniac, you know, just trying to get all of those things done. Like I would be running up the ramp to get coffee or on my phone or, you know, doing all those things. Not when I was with somebody in a meeting, but when I was like, you know, they're calling me for a package or whatever it might be at the front desk. I was doing it very, very quickly. And so learning to slow down. And I think that's something about what COVID has taught everybody is, is that you have to slow down. You know, I've ended up with tinnitus ringing up the ears, which is constant. 
And 100%, it would be because of the pace that I've been living with. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. It's not been born out of like stress or I need to accomplish all of those things. I just love to do things, do a lot of things. And I have a huge capacity for work or to build a relationship with somebody or to spend time with people. Those are the riches of my life, right? But now, did you always have to be doing all of it? Or did you have to do the pace that you did? Because you know how I was saying about a wake up call? Well, literally there's some days where I'm sitting on the couch trying to deal with the screaming in my ears. Right. So it's a balance like anything. Right. I really think we're related somehow. First off, our last names are I know. Bardi, Bardi. Yeah. Like yeah. we have the same personality. Yep. <laughs> I know I'm very fast paced because exactly what you're saying right now is what I need to get better at of yeah. slowing down, but it's like, your mind's just in the, because you're like, there's so little time. There's so many things. Like I want to yeah. do it all. Right. Yeah. I know. Part, you know, and that's what I was saying. I'm like, yeah, that's my soul sister right there. <laughs> I know. And I joke about how I'm semi-retired now because I'm like, I'm going to read a book and have a glass of champagne, you know, big by doing less, I'm actually feeling wealthier. And it's not that I'm doing it for the money, but one thing I was just reading about recently is, is that riches are about money. Wealth is about time. And what do I want more of right now? It's time. I want to empty all of the racing thoughts in my head. So that means meditating, which is actually not that hard. And I, you know, have a phenomenal yoga teacher and program that I've done. Emily Fletcher's Eva meditation, shout out to her and just teaching you to slow down because yeah, you know what, when you're in a rush, you end up 43 years old. Like I am wondering what happened to the past 20 years, which were amazing. Don't get me wrong. I think it's just more about like, where did 20 years go? You know, I had the best time. I have lived and continue to live this incredible life, but I can't get over the fact that I'm in my forties now, you know, or that like when you and I talk about me working at Cobra beer, that was, I was, I was 25 when I started, I'm 43. So yeah, literally almost 20 years ago, where did it go? It's seriously. And yeah. time waits for no one. Yeah. And that's and you're 29. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. So now what are you up to in the world? Like what's next chapter for you now? So it is actually, and it's funny because I've resisted it for the longest time. Cause I'm like, everybody is doing online coaching. Right. But I have always deeply loved working with women and helping them rise. So I've just launched, which was the Lionsgate portal, right? Because oh. it's everything on the new moon. I launched power P O W apostrophe H E R. And so in putting this course together, I did some research in April and I just put it out on my Instagram saying, you know, I'm doing some research for a course I'm developing. And I would love to talk to women about self-worth limiting beliefs and relationships. And I couldn't figure out what I was going to put in the text of it and you know, put on Instagram, and Facebook. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get to daycare. So I threw something up at like 4.30 on the Thursday for Easter. By the time that I come back from daycare and whatever, about an hour later, I have all of these women who are responding saying, I would love to be interviewed. And it just continued through the weekend. In my head, I'm like, I'm just going to put this on on Thursday with the long weekend. Hopefully see if that he sees it on Sunday. Well, by Sunday is happening. There are so many women responding to me. So I just had to put it as a survey. In the end, I ended up getting 60 women who completed the survey either by phone or by filling it in. And 58 of them said they don't feel good enough. And to me, that was so disappointing and like saddening to the point that I feel so emotional about the whole thing. Women are incredible. Not that men aren't. That's not right. what I'm saying. 
women have just had it differently and we carry so much even past lives, right? Like women were told you're bad. You're a witch. We're going to drown you. It doesn't get worse than that. Right. And, or that you are a second class citizen, or you're not recognized for your gender. And now you're, we're dealing with all of what we're dealing in our world. And I was like, I have to do something about this. I'm compelled to do something. I'm called to do something about it. So we have power. And the idea is, is that it's a powerful community. This is the first inaugural group launches September 14th and 20 amazing women coming together to unpack, dig deep and okay, fine. Getting back to the fact that you and I do everything quickly. This is not meant to rush the program, but this is taking three years of coaching and like packing it into like a no holds bar. Let's get this shit done. And (laughs) just digging deep, going into it, healing, clearing, developing the best versions of ourselves in power. And so that's what I'm super, super excited about. And so that's what I'm now working on and marketing it. So yeah. So exciting. That's your latest endeavor into coaching. I so see that. I mean, you've led these major brands worldwide. It's only natural that you're going to crush it in this space too, and coach people through it. I think it's the next phase for you. And I think you're going to do absolutely incredible because you're so gifted. You're so, so gifted. Thank you. Thank you. As are you. As are you. I just feel so honored to be in your circle of light that you spread. You are a light worker. You really are. You know, the the world needs more people like you and with kindness. A lot of people don't lead with kindness. I don't know how much of the world does, but you do lead with kindness and authenticity. Again, going back to what you were talking about, you have it all. But so do you. I'm so excited to see what you do in the world and continue to do. And I know that our circles are always going, well, we're in the same circle. So we're all going to just work together to create yes. crazy, powerful things and run the world because girls run the world as Beyonce has said it. We do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now you got to let everyone know where to find you and your awesomeness. Instagram, Almira B. So A-L-M-I-R-A-B. That is the best way to reach me. I'm also on LinkedIn, Almira Bardai and my website, www.almirabardai.com. Oh, you can find me everywhere. I mean, who else has a name like Almira Bardai? Just Google it. I will come up. I promise you, I will come up. You're amazing. Thank you so much for being yeah. here. Today. I really appreciate yeah. you. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode.